Hello and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast, a series of healthy conversations with inspiring hustlers. I'm your happy host, Madeline Carafa, self-proclaimed health enthusiast and full-time hustler. Through storytelling, I combine health, well-being and business with a fresh perspective to share the stories of some of the most influential and inspiring hustlers. Whether you're looking for an engaging and easy to digest pep talk or a boost of healthy enthusiasm to fuel your health and wellness goals, the Healthy Hustlers podcast is your go-to for kicking butt in work and play. Today's guest is known to most as the girl who fell from the sky. After being involved in a freak skydiving accident in 2013, Emma Carey has approached her new way of living with the most infectious and outstanding mindset. Emma practices gratitude daily, always looks at the bright side and enjoys adventurous getaways with her girl pals as often as possible. An absolute delight in more ways than one, Emma's story will not only give you goosebumps, but her radiant personality will capture your heart and help you see things from a fresh perspective. This episode is proudly fueled by the JS Health app. With over 250 delicious recipes, meal plans, and the ability to text a nutritionist from anywhere in the world. This app is guaranteed to help you achieve your health and well-being goals. Emma, welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm super duper excited to chat to you. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. You've actually been a very, very highly requested guest on the show. So I know we um, tried to do this podcast a while ago. And we were unsuccessful with our internet connections. Ah. So um, yeah, I'm really excited that we got the opportunity to do it again. Yeah, me too. Thank you. So I guess I really love um, starting our chats by finding out something about guests that people might not necessarily know. I find in such a you know Instagram dominant world right now, we kind of feel like we know every single thing about everyone, but is there something that you might not necessarily share on social media or a fun little quirk about you? Yeah, um, hmm, something that people might not know. Um, I don't know, probably that from social media, it looks like I'm always surrounded by friends and doing things, which I am, but I love, love, love my alone time and spending time by myself doing, whether that's just reading a book or going for a walk alone, I need some time. During the day, that's just for myself. I crave that. <laughs> really? And is that something you do every, like, prioritize every single day? Yeah, yeah, I have to. Otherwise, I go crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow, that is so good. That's such a beautiful quality, I think. And I guess it is so true. Like, your Instagram, I just look, you look like you have the most beautiful group of friends. I know I'm lucky enough to know Liv, but you girls just look like you have so much fun and live such an adventurous life. It's really yeah, beautiful to yeah, see. I'm very, yeah, very lucky with my group of friends. I think it's yeah. so important to, you know, um, always put a huge emphasis on the people that you surround yourself with and you seem to be surrounded by, yeah, really incredible people. So it's a nice thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very lucky. So I guess, um, you know, probably in a social media world or to most people, you are known as a girl who fell from the sky. Um, and this is because at the age of 20, you actually were involved in a freak skydiving accident. Talk to me a little bit about your accident, you know, what happened, how it all came about? Um, so when I was 20, I went backpacking across Europe and I didn't know how long I was going to be gone for. It was just meant to be kind of a gap year trip. Um, 
for a few months, but only about a week into the trip, we got to Switzerland and being a kind of adrenaline junkie, I'd always wanted to skydive, but I always weirdly wanted to skydive in this one particular place in Switzerland, which I'd never even been to before. So I don't know why, but we got there and I was so excited for it. But my friend Gemma, who I was with, she was petrified of skydiving. So I kind of forced her into it. Um, so thankfully nothing happened to her, but we, yeah, we went up in the helicopter and I was so excited and just really looking forward to it. Didn't even question for a second that something could go wrong. And then when we jumped out and I remember the free fall, just absolutely loving it, loving every second of it. I thought it would feel um, scary and feel like falling, but to me it felt like kind of flying in a way and weirdly peaceful. Have you skydived? I actually have. Yeah, I skydived over Byron Bay about, oh, oh, I think I was like 23. Yeah. Do you relate to the free fall at all? No, really? I hated it. Yeah, I really hated it. I was like, I had this moment where I was like, I don't know how I'm meant to breathe because they never explained that to me. And my mouth was like, like, do I have my mouth open? Do I close it? It was just a really yuck experience. I didn't, I loved the like skydiving part, just not the free fall. Really? We'll see. Yeah, I don't really know what the skydive part was meant to feel like. Because <laughs> the free fall just continued. <laughs> you just had but, a full free fall. <laughs> but yeah, so I was loving it until it went wrong. But then because it was my first time, I didn't know what exactly to expect or what it should feel like. But a few things started happening which I didn't think were right. So the first thing being, even though I felt a jolt of the parachute, what I imagine was the parachute opening, I felt a jolt, but we didn't really slow slow down as much as I would have thought and then I was yelling out to the instructor asking if we were okay and he wasn't responding to me which I thought was a bit weird but still I was thinking oh maybe he just can't hear me because it's really windy or I don't know but then another thing that happened was I saw the parachute out in front of me rather than above me and it was just tangled up in a ball and that's when I realized that yeah this definitely isn't right at all And then the closer we got to the ground, we still weren't slowing down at all. We weren't gliding. We were just still going straight down and really fast. So I knew pretty quickly that something was wrong. And yeah, I kept yelling out, but he wasn't responding. And because I'm strapped to him and know nothing about skydiving, there was absolutely nothing I could do besides just hang there and fall and just wait to hit the ground. So yeah, it was very terrifying. And if you could feel the speed we were going and just see the ground like I could, I didn't think that there was any way that we could survive something like that. Um, So yeah, I just kind of had to hope for the best, I guess. And then we hit the ground and I landed on my belly. And because he's strapped to my back, he landed on top of me. And what I didn't realize at the time is that when he pulled the parachute, the cords actually got tangled with the emergency parachute. They both came out at the same time. So they got all tangled and the cords actually wrapped around his neck and strangled him. So he was unconscious for the whole fall, which is why he wasn't responding, but also why he couldn't untangle them or cut one parachute off or what they normally would. So yeah, there was really nothing either of us could do. Um, but then when we landed on the ground, I remember thinking um, we, were, we were in the middle of a field in Switzerland. There was like, it was just the Alps. There was no one around, no buildings, no people. So I thought I better get up and get help because at this stage um, he still wasn't responding to me. So I assumed that he was dead. Thankfully he survived. But I thought, yeah, 
he's either dead or very seriously injured, so I should get up to go and find help. And it was in that moment when I tried to um, kind of roll over to get him off me that I had the realisation that I was completely paralysed from the waist down. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't like bend my knees to stand up. I couldn't even use my abs to roll over to get him off me. I just was completely paralysed, couldn't even wriggle my toes. And it was just, yeah, the most terrifying moment for me. It is just the most intense story. I honestly like cannot even, I don't think anyone could fathom going through what you experienced. And, you know, since I know we tried to do this podcast before and you've, you know, we did this part of the story where you were able to explain all of that. And I've watched your interview um, with Jules, um, the tea with Jules. I've, you know, watched you on the project. I've read your website. There is so much. I feel like I've heard the story so many times and I still cannot get my head around what you would have been experiencing and thinking in those moments. So something though that I thought was really interesting and I'd like to, I guess, get your thoughts on that or if it's helped you at all was where you actually landed was on grass, but there was a road like literally really close to where you landed. Is that right? Yeah. So we were really lucky where we landed because it was, yeah, a field of grass. And about probably two metres away was the bitumen road. But not just that, there was also really close by um, a massive lake. And if we landed in the lake, I imagine the weight of someone unconscious on my back and the parachutes would have just dragged us down. Or we could have landed, yeah, on a cliff, on a waterfall and the trees. We were, yeah, we were very, very lucky that we landed just on this patch of grass. Insane. And is that something that you've thought about often or do you, do you kind of think about that? And I guess, you know, you, you're saying that you're lucky, like obviously you're not lucky to experience that at all, but then to be able to look at that situation and think you were so lucky is where you landed. Is it something that you've kind of, you know, thought about often or has gone through? Um, I don't, I definitely did when it first happened, but I don't really think about it much anymore. It's so long ago now, but yeah, at the time I remember when I'd tell people the story or when people would ask me about it, everyone would have, or there'd be two very different responses. People would either say, wow, you're so lucky for first of all, surviving, yeah, landing on the grass and surviving. Or people would say, wow, that's so unlucky that you were in a skydiving accident. And I could see two very distinct ways that you could look at it. And I realized very early on that obviously the best way to look at it is just to see all the aspects that, you know, I am I am lucky for. And yeah, so I just have always tried to focus on those instead. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful thing. And But at that time, was that really hard to hear people saying you're so lucky? No, because in the beginning, I genuinely felt that completely. I, I think because I had the, you know, I had the vision in my mind of me free falling and thinking that I was about to die. And when I didn't, I was filled with the most intense for life and yeah just the fact that I survived I I knew very very well more than anyone how lucky I was because I did feel how fast we were going and yeah so I didn't no, I never took that in a bad way at all because I knew yeah well you're incredible seriously <laughs> so what happened after that moment you've landed um the instructors on top of you how did you get help or what was the kind of first things that you thought to do after you've tried to to get up and walk? Yeah, so basically I just had to lay there and wait for Gemma and her instructor to land. So they must have seen that we were landing not where we were meant to and followed us down. 
So it would have only been a few minutes that it took for them to get to us, but it seemed like forever. So I think I remember laying there and not even, not even crying. I think I was screaming, like just screaming. Um, I don't even know what I was saying, but yeah, we had to wait for them to land and then they ran over and then that's when they called the ambulance and we had to wait for an emergency helicopter to come because we, yeah, we were in the middle of nowhere. Um, and then we got airlifted out of there. Yeah. And what was the response like from your family? Obviously, you know, they got a call from another, from you in another country hearing that you've fallen out of an aeroplane, um, had this massive accident. What was their response? Yeah, well, um, we actually called my mum while I was still laying there on the ground. I got Gemma to call her. So, yeah, that was at first she thought we were joking. Well, I'm sure she knew we weren't, but we've, you know, been best friends since we were four and kind of played pranks and, you know, joke about things, but not nothing like that. So I think she was secretly hoping that we were going to call back and say, oh, just kidding, like, go you. But, yeah, I think she could tell from the tone in our voices that, it was serious. So yeah, her, she flew over with my older sister a few days later, which was good. Um, so another interesting thing in a campaign I saw you did around Christmas time was that you said how it was the first kind of interview that you weren't asked about your accident. And it really got me thinking about how, I guess, you know, this accident has kind of defined you now in, in a lot of ways, but I'd love to get a little sneak peek into Emma prior to all of this like what were you like as a kid and and what was your lifestyle like what were you doing work-wise yeah who were you (laughs) yeah totally different person it's kind of hard to even remember my life before because yeah just so much has happened and I've been through so much in the last five years that who I was before it's kind of like I was on this path and thought I knew what I was doing and then in a single second it all got flipped upside down so everything that I was doing beforehand just kind of um, got, yeah, got stopped. And I've only really been thinking about this recently that oh, <laughs> the Emma before all this had hopes and dreams and things she wanted to accomplish that just had to be completely forgotten while I got through the last few years. And, yeah, it's only been recently that I've rediscovered that. Um, so, yeah, back then I was 20. I was just working a lot of random jobs, saving up to all I knew all I really knew what I wanted to do was travel. So I was just, yeah, working and saving. And then, yeah, this was the holiday, which was unfortunate. (laughs) But yeah, I was very, I was very sporty and active. That was kind of my thing back then, which again is something I had to kind of put on the sidelines because it would just upset me too much if I was to think, oh, I used to be able to run this far. I used to be this strong. I used to be able to do this. And now, you know, I'm nowhere near that, but you can't, you can't make that comparison, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it is interesting to say that you are going back to that place and thinking what your hopes and dreams and that were. Um, what were you like as a child? What was your childhood like? Did you grow up in the Gold Coast? That's correct, isn't it? No, I lived in Canberra my whole life, actually. I only moved to the Gold Coast probably a year after my accident. And that was because I just, well, I still couldn't work at this stage and yeah, a lot had changed in my life and I kind of just felt like a fresh start and I'd always been really drawn to the warm weather and the ocean. So I thought, I feel like a change. (laughs) So then I moved. Yeah. Yeah. and went to the Goldie. I love it. (laughs) Good place to be. (laughs) 
So I guess since your accident, you do have a real, I guess, a new lease on life and a whole new perspective. And it's something, you know, I really admire your strength and optimism. And I'd love if you could maybe share some of your tactics on how you were able to stay so mentally strong. I think as I was saying before, I realized that there's very two, there's two very different ways that you can look at any situation in life. And for the first few weeks after my accident, I was absolutely devastated. I I didn't understand how I was going to, you know, after being told that I was a paraplegic and I would never walk again, I couldn't imagine ever feeling happiness and fulfillment in my life if I always had this huge part of me and huge longing for something that I wanted that I could never get. And yeah, I just didn't know how I was going to get through that. So at first it was, yeah, extremely difficult. As I said, I would, I knew I was lucky to be alive, but there were stages in the early, the early days when I didn't want to be. I just wished that, you know, that I, I remember even, I think I said to some of the doctors, but I don't remember this, that I wish I had just died rather than, you know, being injured like this. Cause I didn't know how I was going to get through it. But then I remember one day still when I was in Switzerland, um, I was over there for a month. I just woke up and had this, something just felt different. Nothing had changed, but something just felt different in me. And I realized very strongly that I could either, you know, this had happened and I could either let it get me down for the rest of my life and I could be paralyzed and sad, or I can accept the fact that it's happened. And yes, I may be paralyzed for the rest of my life, but I can try and be happy regardless because yeah, the only other choice (laughs) was to not even try. And the only person that that would affect is, well, it would affect everyone around me, but you know, ultimately it's me and the rest of my life that, that would, that it would affect. So I thought, you know, I might as well give it a shot and see, see what I can do. And if I heal, then amazing. And I'd be so thankful for that. But if not, I need to try and find a way to be okay with it, regardless of how my physical healing is. Yeah. So when you were being told by the doctors that you might not walk again, did you truly believe that? Or was there a part of you that just thought this cannot be real? Like I I am going to walk and I'm going to do every single thing in my power to walk again? Yeah. I remember it didn't feel real at all. And it didn't sink in when they said it. And I don't know if that was just denial, which I assume it was because I couldn't register in the space of a day how things could change so drastically. And, you know, a part of your body that you've always used without even thinking could no longer work. It just, it's so hard to wrap your brain around it at the time. So I think I was just in denial when I wasn't taking on board what the doctors say. But yeah, there was no part of me at all that believed I wouldn't walk again. And people, when they, when they hear that, they're like, oh yeah, that's the reason you got better because you had total faith in yourself. And I don't think that's true at all. I think in the early stages, I was just in complete denial because I didn't want to face the fact that maybe I wouldn't. I think that's a really nice point that you make about, you know, something that, not that we take it for granted, but walking is something that we're able to do every day. And I I think I know that's definitely something from following your journey um, and watching your Instagram and stuff. It's, It's something that I'm, I guess, more and more grateful for every day when I go for my walk. I often think about you and just think like, you know, how lucky are we to, you know, your legs move like they are these such a simple thing that we take for granted every day, the way our body works. And I think you're just doing such an incredible job of 
making people aware to be so grateful for those not that they're simple things, but I guess they are like we're, we're gifted them when we're born in a way. So yeah, I really love that you are just so open and honest about your journey and just have such a positive attitude and approach to every single thing you do. It's incredible. Oh, thank you. But yeah, that's the reason why I started sharing my story more publicly, I guess, because I realized how much that I had learned from a near-death experience and from being paralyzed. And I'd love for other people to be able to take those lessons, but, you know, hopefully without having to go through traumatic to learn what I learned. So I guess that's why I like to talk about what's happened and to share, yeah, what I've gained from the whole experience. We'll be right back after this healthy break because I want to share with you one of my all-time favorite health products that has truly helped keep my hustle healthy. Hi, I'm Jessica Zeppel, clinical nutritionist and best-selling health author. Do you struggle to find balance with food and your weight, or have you tried every fad diet without long-term success? You are not alone, and my app may be for you. I created the JSOP app to empower you to quit dieting, embrace the healthy life, and find peace with food, your body, and your life. With over 250 healthy recipes, weekly meal plans designed by our nutritionists, has the ability to text a qualified nutritionist from wherever you are, this app will help you to achieve your health goals in a realistic and sustainable way. Come join us to find body love for life. For further details on this incredible product that I guarantee will help fuel your health goals, please click the link in the show notes after the episode. Now back to our healthy conversation with our inspiring hustler. You obviously document a lot of your journey through Instagram, the setbacks, your thoughts, you know, you do lots of beautiful adventures with your friends, but you also share, you know, the not so nice things that you have to experience and go through. Is that still hard to do or is that something that just comes so naturally to you now? You know, I I personally use Instagram. It's just like a diary for me. So if I'm having a good day or if I've just recently gone through something and learned from it, then I'll write about that. But in the same way, if it's something negative, then I'll also write about that. But I guess try and try and also, as I'm writing it, realize what I'm learning from the experience rather than just it being a negative post about what I'm going through. I don't think I've done that. I always try to take something from something, but no, I don't, I, yeah, I love sharing whatever's going on and I find it very therapeutic for me. I love writing and that's always how I've kind of coped and dealt with my emotions so yeah writing for me and sharing it on Instagram and having people relate maybe not necessarily to my exact circumstances but the emotions behind it people can always relate it to their lives in some way or another so I like that sense of community that it creates yeah yeah, so a common theme on your Instagram is your appreciation posts. And, you know, it's definitely one of my favorite things. I absolutely love reading them and it just puts things into perspective. And I would love to know how gratitude, I guess, has helped you on and do you use it on a daily basis? Like, do you have a bit of a, a ritual or a practice where you kind of make the time and the space to sit down and be grateful? Or do you do it kind of as you're going through your day? Yeah, I used to, I remember back, years ago I used to like physically write down a list of things that I'm grateful for each day which was great um and you know really got me in the headspace of 
thinking about that. But now I guess it's more so just realizing it as I'm doing it. I'll go for a walk and maybe if I'm a bit tired and not feeling like, you know, I can't be bothered, I I will think to myself, no, like you <laughs> you've worked so hard to be able to walk. You're so lucky to be able to walk, put on your shoes and you will enjoy it. So I kind of yeah, just have the gratitude as I'm going throughout my day for, yeah, for whatever it is, but I don't necessarily set a certain time aside to do it. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great though that you've touched on that you used to make that time because I think it's such a great way to train our brain, like you said, to think like that and to switch those negative thoughts or emotions into a positive one really quickly. And I know personally from doing that, I'm kind of similar to you now in that I will just think them as I'm going along my day, but it was through practicing it a lot that you can almost, you do, you train your brain and you can catch yourself having those negative thoughts or those, you know, thoughts that are going to bring you down because it really can change your whole outlook on your day, having those negative thoughts. So being able to just kind of catch them and bring it back and have a positive one is, yeah, so much more powerful. Yeah, definitely. So you're doing a lot of motivational talks now. I know you spoke at Business Chicks um, last year. So how has that experience been for you? And I guess, you know, was that ever something that you thought that you might be doing? You know, I love, yeah, love doing it, love sharing my story. And as I said, I've always been more of a writer and um, spoken about it through that form. And I've never, I've never been someone that's been confident speaking especially public speaking I used to have the biggest fear of like in school I somehow managed to get out of every presentation I had to do because I had such a fear of it even if it was just in front of a class so I never in a million years would have thought that I would (laughs) willingly be doing public speaking especially yeah on a stage with a microphone to hundreds of people but I guess when you're talking about yourself and you have something which you you want to share with people, it makes it a lot easier and you don't have to memorise anything. You don't have to um, think about it too much because you're just sharing what's been true in your life. Yeah, so I, yeah, I really, really love it. But it's, it's taken a while to get comfortable doing. I was sure. going to say, what are kind of your tactics prior to a talk that you to get you in the right headspace or mindset? Um, I... I'm always really nervous beforehand, but I know that as soon as I start talking, I'll feel completely fine. So I just try to remind myself of that at the, t- at the time. And I also love when I'm doing talks to kind of open it up for questions. So it's more of a natural flowing conversation rather than me just talking, 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 <laughs> which yeah. helps as well. You've built an extremely strong community who just adore you um, since your accident. How has that helped you along the journey? Yeah, it's helped a lot. I'm actually really thankful that, yeah, I don't really know how people found my Instagram, but I'm really thankful that they have because, as I said, it just creates a sense of community and whatever I'm going through, I know that someone else, when they message me saying that they relate in this certain way, it just makes you feel, um, yeah, I guess, less alone and knowing that, everyone's going through things and everyone, even though, you know, not physically together, there's people on the other side of the world that you can share with and talk to. And yeah, it's definitely been a big help for me. And I think also in a way it's kind of not forced me, but encouraged me to keep 
writing, whereas I might not have necessarily um, be doing it as frequently if I wasn't posting on social media. So I'm glad that it's really kind of kept that part of me because I do find it very therapeutic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's so good. And it's so powerful, I guess, that Instagram community, isn't it, to see people just band together and be able to support each other. So I'm so glad that it's been, yeah, a positive um, community for you to to have by your side through, yes, you know, some pretty difficult times. Um, I would love to know now, I guess, a little bit about your health and wellness, like what you actually do on a daily basis. Do you have any like non-negotiables or things that you swear by to kind of keep your health, your hustle really healthy? Yeah. Um, one thing for me is doing some form of exercise every day, definitely. And generally that will be, um, I, unless my legs are super sore or just super tired, I will make myself, well, not make myself, I want to <laughs> go for a walk every single day. That's generally a non-negotiable for me. I can't. Um, but yeah, at the moment I've started at 45 and I'm so obsessed with it. I know that people always that <laughs> how great it was and I've only just got into it. So for me, every day, that is a must. Um, but yeah, definitely exercise, um, seeing friends and I live with friends and I have a lot of friends. Um, we all live within like a few streets of each other. So spending time with them is definitely a non-negotiable as well, which always, you know, just having a laugh. Um, seeing Layla or if I'm not with Layla, my niece FaceTiming her. Um, yeah. And just they're the things which I guess really make me, set me up to have a good day and put me in a great mindset. Honestly, seeing your niece, even on Instagram makes my day a lot of the time. She is so adorable. She's ridiculous. Like she's just the cutest person in the whole world. And she's, she's so funny. Like she's old enough to, you know, Oh, seriously. She seems like she has the biggest personality and like just love of life. It's awesome to see. I love it so much. <laughs> so I guess, you know, even with such a positive outlook on life and, you know, you obviously really focus on um, gratitude and what you're, uh, what you appreciate in your life. But I guess just as a human being, like any of us, you would still have bad days or days where there are more negative thoughts. I guess, you know, when you're feeling tired or run down, we all, we all know that feeling of those negative thoughts really taking over. How do you approach those days? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say, and this is something I remember I said years ago, um, I don't think I really have like a bad day. Like I definitely have bad moments of the day and bad situations. Um, but I think that you know, you can always, there's always still something good in that day that you, that you can try to, at the end of the day, when you're going to bed, to focus on that when you think about the day that you've had. But yeah, when I am going through hard times or difficult circumstances and situations, I think I, I never used to do this because, because I didn't like to feel sad and I didn't like to seem ungrateful for all the, you know, all the good things that I have had come my way. But now I really just let myself feel the emotion that I need to feel, whether that's sadness or anger or frustration, I'll let myself feel it and understand why I'm feeling it. And then I find that when you do that, it passes so much quicker and it doesn't come back in other ways. Like I used to, yeah, I used to really suppress any kind of sadness that I had surrounding my accident. 
And it wasn't until years later, even like now, nearly six years later that I've realized, oh, like, no, I have a right to be sad about (laughs) my injury and what happened. And yeah, I think if I had just dealt with that at the time, then it wouldn't be coming up now later in life. So that's what I am trying to do going forward. Yeah, I think that's such a key takeout already about just recognizing those thoughts and those emotions and allowing them to happen. You know, we have to feel sadness, we have to feel pain and we have to feel all of those things to appreciate the good times and when we feel so happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think I used to find that hard um, being on social media, not that I felt like I needed to only be post good things on social media because I definitely don't think that. But when when you constantly have people telling you like, oh, you're so inspiring for being so positive or, you know, you're so happy, you know, like things like that. I kind of felt like I had to always be that, which I was the majority of the time. But yeah, everyone is going to feel sad at times. And I didn't really let myself um, feel all those emotions a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think that it's so, that can kind of go into any single thing that you put out there on social media as well. I guess it's like, you know, people saying to you, oh, you're killing it or this, you're going so well at this and inside yourself, you're not actually feeling like you're, you're achieving what you're capable of. So yeah. it's one of those funny feelings of when people are telling you something that you might not necessarily feel yourself. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. Aside from your online community, you've also got an e-commerce store where you sell your beautiful drawings. I'd love to know a little bit more about this and I guess what got you into being an artist and yeah, share that little, that part of your life with us. Yeah. So I actually started drawing by accident, really. It happened. I had my accident and I was in hospital in Switzerland, as I said, for a month. And for that entire month, I couldn't even start rehab or anything yet. So I was literally just laying in bed flat every day for a month. And I was incredibly bored. (laughs) So I decided to just start, I wouldn't even call it drawing, just doodling. And I made um, cards for the nurses and doctors that were looking after me in there. So I drew, yeah, these kind of pictures on the cards and that's how it started. Never in my life before had I been artistic or drew in any way. But I just, yeah, it just came from pure boredom, and which is, you know, a great thing that came from that time. And then I remember I started just posting pictures of what I was drawing in hospital and after I left hospital when I still had a lot of time in my hands, just posting pictures of that on social media. And people started to say, can I buy that? And I was like, really? Like it was just so bizarre to me because it's just something I did so casually. And then it got to the point where I was selling to people if they would, they'd send me an email and I'd organize it that way. And then it just kept growing and it came to the point where I realized that I could make a website and sell it that way. And yeah, that's how it all began. It really was just accidental, but it worked out great. And yeah, I love it. And I'm so lucky to do that as a job. So yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I've got you somewhere. (laughs) That is so cool. And so it's obviously something that just still brings you so much joy in your life. Yeah. I don't actually draw that um, frequently because it's annoyingly one of the main things which causes my back to be so incredibly sore, the sitting and drawing position. So I don't draw as much as I would like to, but when I do, it's another thing which I find really therapeutic because the kind of drawing I do, you don't need to think about it all. I can totally just zone out and it just kind of 
I, I don't know. I don't even think about what I'm doing. It just kind of happens, which is yeah, really nice and relaxing. Yeah. That's awesome. So I guess, how do you juggle, um, this or your e-commerce store, your business with your Instagram and all the opportunities that come through Instagram? You're obviously, you know, I know you go to Sydney a lot for work opportunities. You're speaking at different gigs. How do you juggle all of this? And do you have any kind of tactics for making sure that you're, you're getting your rest and you're eating well and all of that during these more hectic times? Um, yeah, I'm not very good at balancing things. So this is what I'm still learning at the moment. I'm trying to, yeah, still in the process of finding a way to have, um, the store running smoothly, um, with the help of other people so that I can just focus on being where I need to be, whether it's for speaking or something else and just spending time writing because I'm writing a book at the moment as well. And I'd love to spend the majority of my time doing that. So I'm yet yeah, still learning and still organizing how to work it all out smoothly, but I'm not the most organized person in the world at the moment. <laughs> Don't worry. I think we're all still trying to find that juggle and that balance. It's yeah, definitely yeah. a hard thing. If anyone knows, please let us know. <laughs> um, and you're writing a book that is so incredibly exciting. Can you tell us a little bit more? Do you have any release dates or anything like that? Or it's just a work in progress at the moment? Yeah. Oh, no idea. It's yeah, very much early days. And I started, I know I said that I had started this years ago and I had, but for the last year and a bit, I haven't written anything at all until the last few months when I've started again. And I think that, you know, my book will probably will start before my accident and, and now probably, which is six years later. Whereas I always just thought it would be the story of the accident, being in hospital, learning to walk again and, you know, the year, the year after that. But I think that so much has happened in the last six years and so much has changed and I'm still learning things about it and about myself, which I want to include in the book. So I'm really glad that I didn't actually just rush it out when I said I was doing it all those years ago. And I think now is a perfect, yeah, perfect time to kind of um, sit down and write and reflect on all of that time. Yeah, that's so nice. I'm so, so excited to read it already. It'll be incredible. (laughs) So what else does the future hold for you? Do you have any other goals or aspirations that you're working towards? Um, Yeah, I have a lot of physical goals, which I want to focus on this year because as I, yeah, as I had to focus on physical in the first year, just learning how to walk again, since then my main focus was really mental and trying to you know, um, be okay with everything that had happened and find the good regardless. But, and I haven't really had the chance to focus on physical since, cause I don't know if you remember a few years ago, I had the big hole in my foot and I had to be back in a wheelchair for a year. And then last year, randomly, I had a tumor in my knee and I had to have surgery on that. So I couldn't walk for a while then either. So it's been very, um, intense physically, but now I'm all good to go. So I'm just trying to, yeah, focus on my fitness and legs and see how much stronger I can get them and, um, yeah, see what I can do. (laughs) Yeah. Go girl. You've got it. (laughs) And so what's your approach to goal setting? Do you, you know, write them down? Are you, do you take time to really sit down? Do you set them at the start of every year? Do you kind of have a bit of a practice of what you do there? Uh, no, not at all. As I said, I'm a very unorganized person and that is in all aspects of my life. So I don't really, yeah, I don't really set New Year's resolutions or write down goals. I just kind of, if I think of an idea that I want to do or something which I know I want to achieve, whether it's physical or mental or work-wise, I just, 
I get in this state of mind where I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's what's happening. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, I'll find a way to make it happen. So I get very stuck on ideas when I have them and work, yeah, work towards them in that way. But I'm not someone that sits down and writes out a game plan at all which maybe I should be. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So you kind of just get your one goal and you really stick to that and put every ounce of energy into achieving that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And so what would you say your number one health tip is? Oh, number one health tip. Um, I don't know. <laughs> so many <laughs> I would say, oh, um, Probably just to, yeah, move your body every day because it feels great, but also do it in the frame of mind as, as I was talking about before, do it with gratitude and do it thinking I'm so lucky that I get to do this rather than, oh, I have to do this or thinking I have to do this to lose weight or whatever it is. Instead, try thinking I'm so lucky I get to do this and if it helps me lose weight, amazing, but there's so many other benefits as well. Yeah. Amen, sister. That is so good. And I guess with, you know, every single thing you've experienced, the highs, the lows in your life, what has been one of the greatest lessons so far? Um, so many. Yeah, I've really learned so much in the last few years. And I really think, I know we've spoken about it a lot, but the overriding thing that I've learned from all of it would just be appreciation. Um, and, you know, you never, my accident really taught me that you never know what is going to happen. You know, when I woke up that morning, I had no idea that I would go to bed that night, a paraplegic being told I'd never walk again. And, you know, it's kind of might seem daunting and negative to think, oh, you don't know what's going to happen. But I think you can look at it in a good way and just think, make the most of every single moment and do the best with what you've got now. Cause you don't, you, yeah, you don't know what life's going to throw at you. And, um, yeah. Oh, and another thing which I really learned about myself and which relates to every single person is that you just, you have no idea what you're capable of and how strong you are. And, you know, if someone told me that I was going to go through this, I would have thought there's no way I would be able to handle it. And probably everyone around me that knew me at that time thought, oh my God, there's no way she's going to handle this. But when you're forced into a situation, you really learn a lot about yourself and you learn your strength. Um, so yeah, if anyone is going through a hard time at the moment, I would just say that, yeah, you don't, you don't know what you're capable of until, until you're in the situation and you're much stronger than you, than you think. That is honestly one of the best pieces of advice I have heard since doing this podcast. That was so beautiful. Thank you. I just, yeah, I honestly could not agree with you more there. I think that is just so powerful and the ability to believe in yourself enough to know that you are capable of those things is, yeah, incredibly powerful. So finally, to wrap up this beautiful chat, what does a day on your plate look like? (laughs) Food-wise. Oh, my gosh, I eat so much. Um, It's always very different, but generally I go to the gym in the morning. So I'll have, first of all, I need to point out, I drink about a litre a day. That's probably not good advice, but I just have an obsession, like a, an addiction to water. So, oh my goodness, are you literally <laughs> drinking like every single second of the day? Yes, <laughs> I'm upset. It's like I'll wake up and the first thing I'll do is drink about one to two litres. I just love it. Um, but it, I don't know why, I just always have. But so I'll go to the gym 
And then I will generally have like a, a smoothie and then I'll have breakfast, which is probably avocado on toast. So obsessed with, never get over it. Um, and then lunch will generally be oh, always different, probably just leftovers from dinner, which is, yeah, maybe pasta or a stir fry or just a sandwich or something. And then, yeah, dinner will be whatever. I'm not very good in the kitchen, so generally I'll make a big batch of pasta or stir fry or fried rice. I think they're my three go-to options. Pasta <laughs> and then <or> always, <laughs> yeah, And then always chocolate for dessert. I have to finish on dessert. I just can't stop. (laughs) You've got to do it. Oh, Emma, thank you so much for your time. You are honestly the most beautiful soul and you are just teaching so many people so many important lessons, I think, in life. And I thank you personally for all the things that you have taught me and just to be so grateful and appreciate every single thing that we've got. So thank you for your time. Keep doing what you're doing. You're an amazing human being. And yeah, I wish you all the best. Oh, thank you so much. That's so nice. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For any products mentioned in today's show, please check the show notes below and hit the direct links. If you'd like to suggest a future guest, please follow at The Healthy Hustlers on Instagram and send through a direct message. Until next week, don't forget to invest in you.